I've, um, I've enjoyed learning my family's love languages over the years. Um, not that I'm particularly good at speaking any of them, but, you know, it's based on that book by Gary Chapman, Five Love Languages. He says there are five basic ways people want to be loved. Uh, there's touch, words of affirmation, service, quality time, and then there are the really high-maintenance people who want gifts all the time. I've never quite understood that one. One person says, I love you. And the other person says, I hear what you're saying right now, and I want to believe you, but I'm just not seeing my PlayStation 4 anywhere, you know. <laughs> As it turns out, my daughter Audrey is one of those gifts people. She's five, so I'm, I'm able to lowball her most of the time. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm guessing it's going to get more expensive as, as this goes on. The nice thing, of course, is that she's always giving me gifts. Uh, Audrey loves to color and to write little notes. Um, so, w with the 12 words that she knows how to spell. So, I often wake up to coloring pages on my bedside table, uh, or little heart-shaped love notes in my slippers. Uh, she just loves it. She loves giving gifts. And that's because gifts are, according to Gary Chapman, are her love language. But here's something. Here's something I've learned while being a, a husband and a father uh, about, about the love languages. And that's that the love that you give is the love that you expect. The love that you give is the love that you expect. So if you're one of those people who doesn't uh, know their love language, who can't quite pinpoint it, pay attention to the kind of love that you give away. Are you always giving compliments? Always um, noticing somebody's new outfit or, or how well they did on a work project or a school project, odds are your love language is words of affirmation. Or are you always looking for ways to help people? Uh, are you always going out of your way to make people happy? If you are, then your love language is probably service. Because the love you give is the love that you expect. And it's not wrong, it's fine. It's, it's simply human nature. And it's even something that we see in the life of Jesus. So turn with me, if you would, to our gospel reading, Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 51 through 62. Luke 9, 51 through 62. Now, Luke 9, 51 is an important turning point in the life of Jesus. It's a transition, actually. Um, prior to this moment, Jesus had been traveling around the northern region of Israel called Galilee. This is where his ministry had begun, all the healings and exorcisms and stuff like that. This is where Jesus had started to become really popular with some people, and then, of course, really unpopular with other people. But since all of this was happening in Galilee, kind of off the beaten path, uh, nobody really cared. N none of the religious and political leaders really gave that much attention to it. But now, 
in chapter 9, verse 51, Luke tells us that when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, and some of your Bibles might add the words, to heaven, and that's because this is a reference to Jesus' ascension, ultimately. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, the epicenter of religious authority, Jesus would be sure to draw attention. In Jerusalem, Jesus' affront to the powers of oppression would be up close and personal. His actions simply couldn't be ignored. In Jerusalem, Jesus would most definitely be accused and arrested and ultimately put to death. And not just any death, but a humiliating death. A slow and painful death. The death of a hated and despised criminal. A traitor's death. Imagine the remarkable courage this took. Was Jesus afraid? He had to have been, because Jesus was human, and fear is a basic human emotion. But imagine the courage. Nelson Mandela has said that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. He said, the brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Jesus is most definitely afraid. Terrified, I would imagine. But he conquers that fear. And he conquers it with the power of perfect love. We can see it in his eyes. This unswerving intensity, like a, like a swimmer on the starting blocks. Luke tells us his face is set. And in Mark's gospel, the scene is even more vivid. Just listen to Mark chapter 10, verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed him were afraid. The disciples had never seen a love like this. They didn't have a category for it. This was love in its purest form. Incredible love. Self-emptying love. Jesus was walking away from everything. From fame from family, and by that we probably mean, at this point, a widowed mother. Walking away from power and the prestige of his successful ministry at this point, Jesus was giving up all of these things and more. Why? To show them the greatest love imaginable. To show them the love of God. Dying for his creation pouring himself out for the healing of the nations, identifying himself with all of our heartbreak and pain so that he could heal it with his own. This man was giving up 
everything, utterly everything, his entire life. But as we said earlier, the love you give is the love that you also expect in return. And that's what we have to remember as we look at the end of this passage. Jesus says some pretty tough things to people, doesn't he? He has no bargains to offer. Look with me, starting at verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? Sounds a bit high maintenance. But actually, it's neither. What it is, is love. Pure love. Jesus is proposing to us. He's all in. He's on his way to the cross. He's bound and determined. Not even his closest disciples can deter him from this mission. He's offering his whole life to us. And the only two acceptable answers to this sort of thing are yes or no. No, I will not accept your offer. I will not match your love. Or yes, I will accept your offer. I will match your love. I will give my life to you as you're giving your life to me. That's just how proposals work. There's no bargaining. Yes, but only if you give me this. There are no conditions. Yes, until something better comes along or someone better comes along. No, it's a straightforward answer. All in or all out. Anything other than that simply isn't love. If you say you believe in Jesus, but you're not willing to go all in for him, if you say you believe in Jesus, but you say, but first, let me excel in my career. Or, I can't commit to Jesus as long as my parents are alive because they don't want me to become a Christian. And if I become a Christian, they'll be really upset. Or high schoolers. I believe in Jesus, but this isn't the kind of decision that I need to be making in high school right now. Should probably wait till college. But first, but first, but first. That is a no. If you think you understand that Jesus has come and died for you, that he's the son of God, that he loves you, but you say yes, but first, you have not understood. It's a simple question. Yes 
or no? All in or all out? Lent often gets the reputation of being a season of no. And we don't need to whitewash that. Jesus said to deny ourselves. And uh, denying ourselves means saying no to certain things. Good things. There's an even greater sense, though, in which Lent is a season of yes. Yes to Jesus' proposal. Yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. Yes to his commands. Yes to Jesus' self-giving, self-emptying, self-denying love. That's what Lent is all about. Lent is a labor of love. All this stuff that we give up, it's all for love. The meals that we skipped today, it's all for love. The money that we're going to be giving to the poor, it's all for love. And as we deny ourselves, as we take up our crosses and put our sins to death and beg God to make us look a bit more like Jesus by the end of this whole thing, we are giving Jesus the reward of his sufferings. We are giving Jesus the gift he most deeply desires. It's the gift of ourselves. Fully committed to him. Fully following him. Fully living the life he died for us to enjoy. So this Lent, let's give to Jesus what he gave for us, which is everything.